don't know this, then you're behind the times. The only metric that matters is convenience. Rules apply to you. Suddenly you're an advertiser. This week on Social Minds. Thanks very much Thank for coming so on, much. honestly. Thank you, it's, it's been a pleasure. It's a great first episode of 2020. Yeah. We were joined by Mark Asquith, a.k.a. that British podcast guy who is the CEO of Rebel Based Media, a company that helps people grow and build podcasts. It also built Captivate Audio, which is an analytics platform for podcasts. We covered the discoverability triangle, growth hacks and using trailers to promote your podcast, and why a 70% marketing to 30% content rule might be the best thing for you this year. So more is not better with podcasting more marketing is better with podcasting all this and more coming up how can brands cut through the bullshit and grow a successful podcast you know what that's becoming harder to answer as well every single week and thanks for having me it's a pleasure this is a yeah. sweet studio yeah. so thanks for thanks Thank for you. taking me in <laughs> it's a big compliment um, from yourself, obviously, you know, uh, a, a maverick in the podcasting space. But well, I yeah, like this, that. Uh... Maverick. I'll tell you that. Good word, isn't it? <laughs> you can tell he's a copywriter. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> but this question, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, there's so much bullshit that you see about uh, podcasts and, you know, five hacks and this and that. And obviously there's a lot of focus on brands. What is the, you know, what are your sage words of advice? You know, I think it's it's one of those interesting problems because, you know, the medium has, has been around for such a long time. You know, it's been around since, what, 2005, 2006. Mm. Um, Adam Curry and, and the whole RSS 2.0 movement, like, it's been around for a long time. And audio in particular, audio marketing has been around for a long time. Radio has yeah. been around for such a long time. And I think this is one of the biggest challenges that brands are facing right now is that, the, the, the mass populace is just starting to become aware of podcasts. You know, everyone always talks about this golden age of podcasting. Like, there is no golden age of podcasting. It's kind of, that's bollocks. It's like, what what's the golden age of YouTube? Mm. But there isn't. It just continues to evolve and, and, and shift and tweak. Um, and I think because brands are in such a unique position insofar as they have to instantly show some kind of ROI, you know, whether it's awareness metrics, whether it's click-through metrics, mm. whether it's other types of attribution, you know, whatever they design into their campaigns, I almost find they find themselves at a little bit of a loss to start with because they're instantly having to measure in an industry that is still figuring out how to measure. Mm. So the problem that brands have got generally is that, wait a sec, do we, like, how do we measure this? Do we measure this like display? Do we measure it like radio, which is kind of the nearest thing? So we'll pay CPM rates. We'll use the same types of call to action throughout. And wait a sec, should we measure this like TV? Or, you know, what do we do in terms of measurement? That's the biggest problem. No one knows the answer to that yet, which is why yeah. so many tech companies are popping up. You know, we've got a, a tech startup that is kind of in that space. And it's it's very difficult to understand what people can get from podcasting right now. So all people are doing, which is not it's not a problem. Mm. You know, we've got to mm. we've got to kind of feel this space out. But what people are doing is they're treating it like they treat other mediums, you know, branded content on YouTube. Yeah. Radio content, uh, kind of big ad buys, programmatic spends, um, the dynamic ad insertions. And we see that none of that works as well mm. as you and I, you know, the mm. host and the listener. You know, so there's a real challenge in trying to connect brands with the people. Yeah. I'm glad you said that, though, that, that sort of challenge and that problem, because... You know, while while all of that is true, there's there's that other side to it, isn't there? There's the kind of you know we've seen it ourselves the the growth hacking mentality that people like us as a social media company uh, are trying to apply to podcasting. And you know, from past conversations with yourself, it sounds like there are things that you can do to make your podcast kind of you know almost gamify the the charts. 
Yeah, it's, so the charts are, are a funny one. Um, you know, everything's algorithmic, certainly in the charts. There's talk of a, of, a, of an agnostic chart popping up, which is truly based on, on downloads. If you look at the PodTrack charts, the iHeart charts, if you look at – the charts are all rubbish. You know, the, Apple's charts are based on, on very specific algorithms. You can look the patent up. Uh, James Cridlin from Pod News published that recently. Mm. It, it's all just based on algorithms um, and around the number of subscribers in any given time frame and so on. But I think the biggest kind of um, point that you you stated there, Theo, was, the, you know, this growth hacking idea. The problem is, in my view, is that people don't necessarily understand that podcasting is a channel. And you guys know, you you, you know, this is social chain. You know marketing as well as anyone, if not better than 90% of people. And channel shifting people is really, really tough. Yeah. And channel shifting people to a medium that not everyone knows about or that not everyone who knows about it knows is free or how to access it. Like, that's a huge challenge mm. for brands and for indies and any creator. So if you, you know, if you think about your normal marketing, you think about your Instagram marketing, let's take an Instagram campaign as an example. Like I'm sure this will get will, will get um, spliced up into two minute segments, maybe, maybe an IGTV video, you do a one minute post for the for the Instagram stream. Like what is what are we going to get people to do after that? What's the call to action? Because you're going to pick a really good bit to capture them on Instagram. You're going to put a really good bit of the interview out and a nice catchy line, something that's really going to hook them in. Like, is that enough for them? They might get what they need from that. Like, how do you channel shift them through? And I think one of the big challenges that podcasting faces is the word subscribe. Mm. You know, Edison have done the research on that. Tom and his team over at Edison have, have done fantastic research, which shows that the word subscribe is a challenge. Because what do you subscribe to? Things that you pay for. Magazines, newspapers, yeah. graze boxes, Netflix, you know, Amazon Prime. We pay for these things. Mm. And then we're being told to subscribe to an RSS feed or to a podcast. Like, we've done it. where do I put my card in for? So that's a bit of a challenge. So I think channel shift is this huge problem in podcasting. Mm. Um, and I kind of, th th there's a few little kind of concepts that, that I, I talk about quite a lot. I'm, I, I do a lot of talks all over the place on this sort of stuff. Um, and one that I'm doing out in LA at Podcast Movement Evolutions in two weeks time is around two concepts, the listener acquisition flow and the podcast discoverability triangle. These are just two names that I've made up. Um, and they, they just basically encompass two different concepts. Um, so if we think of marketing, we think of a brand, we think of an indie creator. This podcast discoverability triangle is is kind of the the, the the three pinnacle problems that podcasters have when it comes to discoverability. And the, the three points of the triangle, I called it a triangle just because there's three points to it. Like That's how creative I am. Well, well done me. I could have thought of so much better stuff than that, but I didn't. Um, so the discoverability triangle is the fact that in order to market a podcast successfully, in order to growth hack your way through, You've got to understand the channel shift side of things. You know, how do you get people from seeing marketing to doing something with your podcast, mm -hmm. which is essentially listening. And the discoverability triangle posits that there are three challenges that you've got to overcome. You've got to understand that you need to create marketing campaigns that target people that haven't got a clue what podcasting is, where you can you can essentially educate people on this free medium. Now, if you if you, if you you roll back to, I don't know, let's say 2009, Netflix wasn't really around. You know, I was still getting DVDs from Love Film and I think even Netflix were like mailing them out. Um, you know, Blockbuster was still around. Uber wasn't really doing its thing over here. We didn't have this on-demand culture. So getting someone to subscribe to a podcast then was really kind of cottage, really quite niche, mm. you know, but now we, we can roll campaigns out that say, look, you know, all that on-demand stuff that you're used to. Well, guess what? You can, you can do the the same with your audio, so for your commute or for your gym sesh, 
while you're around the house cleaning on your smart speaker. So you can create campaigns that say, look, this thing exists and it's really easy to get to. Oh, and by the way, the example I'm going to use to educate you is our branded podcast. Yeah. You know, so you become top of mind. You come, you, you become very pre uh, present in people's mind when they're just, you know, they're running into the house and oh, what am I going to listen to? I don't fancy radio. I'm a little bit, you know, I don't really want to kind of do anything else. I just, I just fancy something on while I'm, while I'm tinkering around and cleaning yeah. up, you know, it can be Alexa, play that podcast that I keep seeing all the time on yeah. my Instagram yeah. feed. Yeah. So that's, that's one, one facet of the discoverability triangle. How do you target people with a marketing campaign on an ongoing basis that puts you and your brand front and center, but that teaches people that podcasting exists? Mm -hmm. Now, the second facet of it, in, in my view, the second point of it, which I, I even embarrass saying points like, because it's a triangle, this is so embarrassing. Yeah. But the second, <laughs> the second point that I'll make um, is that there are people that love podcasts and there are people that will never know that you exist unless you market to them. Mm -hmm. So we do, again, we do a lot of work with, um, so we run a, a hosting platform as well called Captivate. So we've got a lot of data on this. We, we know a lot about downloads. We know a lot about behavior. We know a lot about what works and what doesn't work with this. And if you think about the best way to market in terms of growth hacking to people that know about podcasting, but don't know that your podcast exists, well, the easiest way to do that is get to them while they're listening to a podcast, you know, do feed drops. So if you are, um, if you are, uh, let's say you're Peter Crouch, we'll use him as the example because he's, he's high profile, mm. he's got a great show obviously he's got the huge budget for it. It would be very easy for him to drop an episode of his feed and pay for a, an episode drop, a feed drop into a, another podcast. So if there's another soccer podcast that he finds is particularly resonant with his potential listener, you know, let's just drop a sample episode into that feed and we'll pay a little bit of cash to get it in there. Yeah. So that becomes, it becomes very easy then to transfer people through. I mean, there's another discussion about what calls to action you use, which we'll, we'll get to in a second. The third part of, of the discoverability triangle posits the fact that you are going to really struggle with shareability. Like we know shareability in podcasting is difficult. Like it, it, it's part of the discoverability problem because mm. if we're on Twitter, we're not listening to Twitter. No. We're not listening to Instagram. We're not listening to Facebook. Imagine listening to Facebook. That'd be, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be bad. That'd be bad news. Um, <laughs> So you're listening to podcasts and, and and what are you doing when you are listening? You are not looking, mm. you, you, you're doing it passively. You know, again, if you look at Edison data, look at what Tom and his team does, you'll see that it's in the home, it's in the car, everything's been built in. You've got CarPlay, you've got Tesla that's including it now. There's, everything's passive. So how do you get someone to share something that's so passive? And that's the final problem in this discoverability mm. triangle is that everything else is shared. A YouTube video, oh my word, have you seen this? Instagram, DM to a friend. Twitter, retweet with a comment. Facebook, like and it shows up algorithmically in the feed. Here we don't have that. We've got a serious problem in getting someone to pull their phone out and say, oh, look at this podcast. And then sending it to someone that might not know about podcasts. It's, yeah, that's very, it's, yeah. it's true because I'm just thinking it's hard enough Sometimes people will send me songs via Spotify link and, you know, maybe two two out of ten times I'll listen to the song. But there's something about, I don't know, that extra bit of legwork, that, mm -hmm. that the fact that it's not just a video that I can just, oh, that's quite funny or a quick meme or. Yeah. And but but on the note of that, this discoverability element, I'm glad you sort of said that because I have a similar thing. But I don't know if that's just because I'm a Spotify user where my gripe with discoverability is I struggle finding many podcasts mm. that I like. I'm interested 
get your thoughts because I don't know if that's a kind of platform uh, design issue or if it comes back down I to that with, shareability. I think with it's... Spotify it is a design issue because it's so far down. It just seems um, to be after music. The only time <laughs> I've been referred to a podcast successfully and then ended up listening to it is if someone's told me yeah. to listen to it in person. And I think one of the I think it, it's a design issue, but I think it's a business design issue as well. So what I mean by that is, yes, yeah, like I listen to Spotify. So if you use the example there, Theo, of getting uh, links and uh, from a uh, from a song, mm-hmm. it's the same thing with a podcast. I could share a podcast on Spotify, and they do a great job of deep linking, and Apple do as well. To be fair, the problem is not the link. The problem is getting things out and having to press the buttons to share them. Mm. But then also the ability to look at something, like you look at a video on YouTube and you're like, ah, that thumbnail looks kind of cool. Mm. I'll probably watch that. That sounds pretty sweet. If the cover art on a podcast doesn't grab you, you're not going to listen to it unless it's really specifically tailored to you. So I think one of the challenges there is um, kind of just to, just to kind of segue those two pieces together. You've got to hit the target with your audience. You've got to resonate so much with them that you affect them. You've got to give them emotional triggers, entertain them, make yeah. them laugh, make them cry so that they want to pull their phone out to share it. Yeah. But then when it comes to that discoverability question about actually, is it a design flaw? Yes, I think it is. But I almost think it's on purpose. And what I mean by that is that if you think about it right now, Spotify's goal, we'll use those as, a, as an example. If you look at what, what, what the team are doing there, if you look at what their top level C-suite team are trying to achieve is you would think time in app. You know, that's what we're trying to build is time in app within the Spotify platform. How much, how much retention have we got in there? How long do people stay in the app and how much stuff do they listen to in there? So when it comes to designing the fact that they are marketing, look, we're Spotify, we are all things audio now, we're not just music. The problem is that they are obviously going to highlight the big shows, which is the same set of shows that Apple will highlight, which are the same set of shows that TuneIn will highlight Mm. and so on and so forth, because they're the ones that pull the people. Well, wait a sec, I can, Joe Rogan's on Apple, Spotify is saying that I can also get this Joe Rogan experience, but it's in Spotify and I know about Spotify because, and I don't have to open this new app, I don't have to do anything. So for, for, for me, I think we're still in that education phase where um, interface design is married to business design mm-hmm. and strategic design at that level, which is, look, educate people that they can get the stuff they already know and love. And the big branded names, the big names in podcasting are over on our platform too. Mm. Now, that doesn't help indie creators. It doesn't help branded podcasts. Yeah. And I think the people that are doing a great job with that, um, even though they do some weird stuff on the back end right now, uh, Zach and his team at Google. Because what Google are doing, uh, they are taking a much more indexed approach to it. I know Apple are, are transcribing behind the scenes as well to power their search results when you talk to their team and when you, you know, that, that we know they're doing that. Mm. But Google in particular, you know, Zach and his team have come out and said, we are actively transcribing shows. And what we are not doing is focusing on subscriptions. Instead, what we're doing is we're focusing on giving people just like the SERPs, just like the search engine results pages, we're going to give them the answer to their question. And if it's in audio format, all well and good. Mm. So if you search for something like I've got a Star Wars show that I run as a hobby because I love Star Wars so we did a like a Rise of Skywalker first review and it showed up in Google when you search for Rise of Skywalker review for a very small period of time because it was a massive key phrase mm-hmm. it showed up as one of the results directly in the search engine results pages and you could click the play button right from the SERPs and listen to that to episode to the podcast. I like that yes, a that's, lot that's I think that's so yeah. smart it's, it's just like so I've recently it sounds a bit off piece but recently changed to a different search engine that one that plants trees so I'm trying to like do good but the only thing that annoys me is when you search to something I'm used 
used to Google give me now like shopping results, maps results, all these mm. like built-in things that it has. And I think for podcasts to integrate that would be like so genius because you don't need to have someone give you the biggest show. You can just get something that's very tailored to you. And I think that's what's missing like in mm. um, like an Apple podcast as well and Spotify. I would like to see a sort of recommended for you podcast mm -hmm. place, which isn't just the most, you know, the top shows, the most listened to shows at, at the moment, but something that's based on what they know about me. You know, you can't help but think if Facebook came up with some kind of podcasting platform, <laughs> all the data that they have on you, they know us so well to serve yeah. us ads. If they could serve us content like that, that would be great. I think they will as well. I think Facebook will. You know, they've already said that they're going to kind of do something in the space. But this this leads to another challenge that links brands together with podcasts. Because what do brands want? They want attribution. They want massive attribution. You know, whether it's first click, whether it's last click, whatever it is, whether it's coupon codes on, on, on sales pages to start trials, whatever it is. There's a slew of technology that's popping up. And, and one of our platforms is, is in that space as well. It's interaction tech. Um, and it, it will allow you to do a little bit more with attribution. Mm. The problem is running alongside that. I mean, what's the, the difference between podcasting and YouTube, podcasting and TV, is that it was built on openness. It was built on RSS, which is an open protocol. And it was also based on the fact that, you know what? We might not want to be advertised to because mm, we're podcasters. Yeah. We don't want that. And that's interesting. You don't want to ruin the format, do you? But this, but this, yeah, well, that's, that's it. And that's what I'm intrigued to know because, you know, what does the landscape look like now? Because one of the things I must think is that for podcasters in the space, where you've, whether you've been in the game for 10 years or a year, is there does there seem to be a kind of <coughs> Uh, it's a bit more black and white. It's a bit more us and them now with 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 brands coming to the party because obviously brands have the unlimited budgets. They have the you know the resource, the mm -hmm. studios to produce this high content. Are you going to start seeing a kind of tier between you know certain podcasters? I think it's already there, and I think it's been there for a long time. Um, so you've kind of got these privacy issues actually running. It's a really good segue again into that because you've got the privacy issues which the brands don't necessarily mind. Like we all know that we're spending ad budget and we want to track. And the listener kind of, in my view, I humbly believe that the listener probably doesn't mind mm. because they're happy to chuck their stuff into Facebook. They know they've been tracked around on Google. You know, they're getting retargeted everywhere. You know, my phone's listening to me now. I can almost guarantee if I say something more Star Wars, is Star Wars figures, Star Wars, hot toys, all... I will get retargeted on my Instagram later. It's a guarantee. But the problem is that those tiers do exist. And I believe that over the last couple of years, we've seen a couple more tiers exist uh, and, and come to fruition. So the tiers, in my view, have always been the hobbyist podcasters that don't really care about the downloads and just love doing it. You know, they're the people that are really passionate about it. And some of the OG podcasters, brilliant. You know, they absolutely love doing it. And it's not about the downloads. It's about the people in the community. Then you've got the people that actively want to push it and maybe build a small brand out of it do something for themselves. Like, you know, maybe they've got a Star Wars show, but rather than it just being a hobby show, they want it to be like the number one Star Wars fan brand in the world. Mm. Okay, that's the next tier. And they maybe want to make, make a bit of brass doing it. Then you've got your kind of entrepreneurial people, whether they are in the entrepreneur space or whether they are podcasting to generate real revenue. Mm. You know, Tim Ferriss, people like that that are the, the, the next level up from that. Then you've got the brands. And these are the people, like you said, there's Wondred, you know, Dr. Death, you've got Business Wars, you've got some amazing stuff. You've kind of got, even people like Aaron Mankey, you know, when you talk to Aaron about how he started his show, he was very much an indie, but now he's got TV deals and he's, you know, he's working with Lauren Shula Donner on some of the stuff for Amazon, two seasons of the TV show. Like he's now a branded mm -hmm. podcast, essentially, or a, he's certainly a brand in podcasting with a much bigger budget. 
So when you start to look at those tiers, that's when that privacy issue starts to kind of have different levels to it because the lower end really, you know, take that seriously. The upper end, they want less privacy. They want us to track mm, things. They want down, interaction. Yeah. They want attribution. And it's a big thing going on right now, you know, as a, as a host at, at, at Captivate, you know, we... we we serve so many podcasts, you know, millions of downloads every mm -hmm. single day. One of the features that we're putting out, um, I think it's next Tuesday actually, is full, what we call in full transparency mode because there's that much technology that's cropping up. Mm -hmm. So we're talking prefix companies that are promising different attribution styles and trackability and traceability on analytics that other podcast people can't track. You know, all of that is questionable, but they're using these prefixes. So we're releasing something called full transparency mode, which allows a host, a podcast creator, to actually say ethically, we'll tick a box on our show. If we use a prefix that will track you and you don't know it's tracking you, so when you download our RSS feed, you don't know that that data is going to this other company, we're going to put something in your show notes for you if you're ethically up for it and you tick the full transparency mode that will say, we use these prefix companies. Here's a link to their privacy policies. You know, we've even got, thanks to people like James Cridlin, um, a listener privacy policy. So we haven't, we haven't just got a platform privacy policy yeah. as a podcast host and an analytics company. We actually, we've got a privacy policy that is just for the listeners of podcasts that are fed from Captivate. So that that's kind of the world that we're living in. You know, it's come at a really weird time. You know, all these, everything privacy throughout every other industry mm. has happened alongside podcasting starting to boom and advertisers getting mm. more interested. Yeah. So it's this weird kind of dovetailing of kind of privacy worries, but yeah, we want to spend more money. But if we're going to spend more money, we need to be able to track where that money's going and is it yeah. is it giving us something back for it? It's really bizarre time for podcasters and we've got to, I think as a brand there's a responsibility to understand what you want to track and mm -hmm. and I think we're start going to start to see a lot of brands and a lot of creators called out for tracking things that listeners maybe don't know are being tracked and that's for yeah. and that's purely for remarketing purposes would you say to get an idea of you know your your interests I suppose if I listen to about five football podcasts I'm obviously interested in football so therefore I'd be valuable to I don't know sports brand X is, is, is yeah. that generally what's going on if you look at a lot of the new technology companies that are popping up yes that's ultimately they'll say it's not but of course it is mm -hmm. you know it's ultimately to sell the data let's be totally honest if mm -hmm. you if you're not selling the product you're selling the data I said there's no two ways about it and I think when you look at that, yes, of course, that's the model. They're doing it under under the guise, and and it is. It's not a guise. I'm not saying this is they're doing this in a nefarious manner. What I'm saying is that this is what they need to do first in order to be able to get that data. You know, they're, they're grabbing data, trying to grab the data from all of the platforms mm. and, and trying to grab data that is more um, more fulfilling for the brand that's reading it or mm. for the creator mm -hmm. rather than having to go off there and go off there. And, and, and they're trying to look at drop-off points, which, you know, no one except an ecosystem can do. You know, Spotify can give you their ecosystem data and Apple can give you their ecosystem mm -hmm. data. Mm -hmm. But I think that leads to another problem is that everyone's trying to solve um, ad spend issues and marketing issues and attribution issues in podcasting by creating apps or prefixes. You know, I don't think that's the way to do it. I think it needs something else. Um, and it's something, uh, something that I'm passionate about, something that we're working on, which I think will, you know, you can't encourage, if you're a brand, you can't encourage people because you've got one app out in the marketplace that will give you better attribution. Mm. You can't say to all your podcast listeners, go and listen on this app instead, please. Yeah. Because mm. 
be, just because because look at look how easy it is to use and yeah sure you could do that but mm. what realistically you know like we said earlier channel shifts are mm. problem changing behavior is difficult yeah it's so tough so there's so many variables to this it's fascinating really it, I think it's been a long time maybe not since the dawn of YouTube where media has been in its infancy when it comes to um, its financial prowess you know it, it, podcasting before this was it was hobby. Yeah. It was creators. I mean, talking about that, going back to the tiers that you've just laid out, if you're starting at hobby and ending at brands, for brands that are coming into the space now, I mean, for me, like marketing person aside as a listener um, as a consumer I would be more interested in the content that these hobbyists are putting out because you can really feel like someone's passion and if that topic is interesting and someone's putting the work in and I feel like you can tell if someone's just out for a little bit of money or a bit of fame um, and if brands are at the top end of that tier I suppose how do they create a podcast and put content out there in a way that feels authentic even though there is ultimately a goal to grow as a business and, and earn mm. money from that that's a really good question and it's framed really well as well because you're right the the independents they're doing it because they love it you know there's a podcast for every single niche we know that there's a you know mm. joe who does the knitting podcast you know she taught me how to knit i'm terrible at it and joe if you're watching <laughs> i apologize but i am terrible at it <laughs> but she's got this re an award-winning niche podcast in knitting like what apart from youtube what other medium can you get that in you know you can't really apart from blogging where it's you've got to sit in front and read it and even youtube where you've got to watch it this is such a accessible medium for people that know about it. And I think one of the challenges is that people are seeing podcasting as a way to market. And like there's a, a company popped up, I won't mention any names, but that, that will match you in the UK with podcasts that are looking for guests. And the, the, the selling point is go and be a guest on a podcast. It's great for marketing. And you're like, come on. That, that is not mm. the point of this. Mm. The point of this is it's like Netflix. <laughs> Imagine Netflix just putting a series of, of interviews out with random entrepreneurs and random business people from all over your LinkedIn profile because those people want exposure and the host happens to like it. Netflix mm. wouldn't commission that because it's terrible yeah. entertainment. Very selfish marketing as well, I think. Absolutely. And going back to something you touched on at the very beginning where you said the problem lies with brands treating it like other channels like in terms of measurement, but I think in terms of content creation as well, they'll be looking at YouTube and looking at um, like other audio, like radio and thinking, okay, we'll just do podcasts like that because that worked. And maybe it's having the respect for it as its own channel. You know, even mm. when social media came along, it still happens now. Brands that aren't doing as well on it or aren't as clued up on it will be treating it the same way as they treated TV and print, just thinking it's another channel. Yeah. I guess that's where they go wrong. Well, a lot of people do podcasting. Like a lot of brands, yeah. a lot of companies do podcasting. That's like back in the day when you used to do SEO and your mate would say, I can get you top of Google for, uh, you know, the best plumber mm. this side of Barnsley. Very mm. specific keyword, but down the pub you can tell your mate you do SEO. Yeah. You know, so it's it's one of those things where you've got to really be careful with that. And one of the interesting challenges for brands, you know, back to that question is, You've got to think about this as, as an entertainment medium. You know, that's what it is. Sure, you can educate through that, but the best type of education, we all remember the teacher that made us laugh or made us feel special or made us feel like we were part of something. Mm. That's because they entertained. Yeah. You know, so brands have really got to think about this as an entertainment medium. You know, look at what HBO are doing. Even Apple have just announced that they're doing podcasts that run alongside their exclusive TV shows. Mm -hmm. And that's because it's an entertainment medium. You know, if you, you know, Peter Crouch does very well because it's entertaining. Business Wars, anything that Wondery does is like gold dust because they, they are so good at understanding what makes a podcast entertaining and it's crafting a story, but directing it like a movie or a TV show. Yeah. You know, there's a reason Serial upended things, not just because it was true crime and people really felt what Adnan Sire was going through, but they really felt like the work had been put in and it was well-researched and well-produced. Mm. 
But of course, that brings with it challenges because then budgets go up and yeah. then ROI becomes more, just much more relevant, much more early on. You know, if you're, if you're the CMO and you've got to report to the CFO and you're saying, well, wait a sec, I've got to throw this budget at the podcast. Oh, you need some microphones. Mm. Well, yeah, sure, to film a TV show, all you need is some cameras. There's a production quality um, involved. Exactly. Yeah. I was going to say, though, what, what about the brands? Like, I could name a few, that are, you know, brands that are generally doing it for a kind of... Yes, we have specialists, but you could look at, say, a brand. So, perfect example, Turtle Bay, just across the road, they used to have like a bit of a reggae podcast. And I used to love it and listen to it, a bit like a radio show almost. And even Pretty Little Thing, what we do behind closed doors, they are approaching it from a purely entertainment base, it seems, where you can sort of listen in and mm. you can listen to Pretty Little Thing influencers speaking quite candidly about, you know, yeah, quite it's important like, it's things. Like, it's great. It's exactly, like perfect yeah. for that audience. But even, even they're questioning, or they were at the beginning, you know, what do we do about ROI? is this going to be a problem down the line? That's every brand's first question. So what what do you see then, Mark, with that in mind, um, with what, what you've said there, what do you see as the opportunity, I suppose, for ROI? Because, the you know, on the face of things, you've got, uh, you know, however many thousands of people tuning in and listening to you and you're front of mind all the time. Is that enough? Is that, the, is that uh, do we call that awareness? Or is that, do you see there being a second stage beyond that for, for people? I think there's a second stage, but I think it becomes, um, I think it becomes more challenging because the offer has to be so much different mm -hmm. you can't it's not like like we said on instagram you know you can visualize this thing and pretty little thing is a great example that people who love pretty little thing are very much into that brand so they want to consume more and more of that brand so like you yeah. said it keeps them top of mind it keeps their fans continually advocating yeah and it turns just kind of passes by people that may have purchased once twice three times it turns them into the fans so that mm. that acquisition cycle is, is, is very very clear when it comes to conversions, when it comes to actually what do we track on this thing, I think brands have got to be a little bit smarter with their funnels. They've got to be a little bit smarter with how they're pushing people through. They've got, to, this is going to sound really weird, they've got to be a little bit more entrepreneurial. They've got mm. to be, you know, think about a SaaS platform. We, again, we run Captivate, the, the podcast hosting analytics platform. We are a software as a service platform. We have to have a SaaS marketing funnel that gives people the right thing at the right time through that funnel. People like Pretty Little Thing maybe aren't used to doing that. You know, they'll, 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 it's very much brand awareness across all channels mm -hmm. and then hitting people at the right time with retargeting. I think there needs to be a lot more funnel work in there. So the calls to action mm. that you put into podcasts, I believe, have got to get people right at the top of the funnel. And then I think if you've got your own branded podcast, so let's use let's use the example of a pretty little thing. You maybe sponsor other podcasts to get people right into the top of the funnel. You know, get them on an email list, get them just doing something, interacting with you in some way, grab a little bit of data. And then mid-funnel stuff is maybe their podcast. Maybe that's where you'd insert that alongside all the other channels that you're doing. Maybe you'd put their podcast around the middle of the funnel so that they can start to say, well, look, did you know, you know, that 10 second little segment, that that just that drop mm -hmm. that goes between segments of the podcast. Oh, by the way, pretty little thing, no quibble returns, boom. You don't even need to say anything else. It's just, okay. Yeah. So that's mid funnel stuff where mm -hmm. you're pulling people through to either a conversion or the second conversion, the third conversion. And I think when, when you consider a cross podcast strategy, so you've maybe got your own branded podcast, but you've got a bit of budget to start marketing through other podcasts as well. Yeah. That's where the power is. Because like, like you mentioned there, it's very, very powerful 
to give people the gossip, the influencer gossip behind the scenes for their demographic, for their target. Like that is super powerful. Mm. But then sticking some ads on other shows where maybe 30% of the audience are the ideal customer yeah, and popping some quick branded segments in there, which push people to this podcast. You know, it's back to that discoverability triangle. Mm. Maybe you pay for a feed drop. Yeah, Did you know, pretty little thing of, of got one. You mm. know, it's it's sort of, you know, like the Peter Crouch podcast. If, if you are a brand that specializes in men's clothing, if you are thread, you would maybe drop a feed drop in there and say, mm. okay, you're into Peter Crouch's podcast. Well, guess what? Oh, look, here's an interview we did with Peter Crouch about he always about how he always looks so good yeah. when he's on TV and it's powered by Thread and it's the Thread podcast. We interviewed him about that. If you want to know how Michael Owen does it, if you want to know how Gary Lineker does mm. it, yeah. go and listen to our show. So do you think we've, th- th- do you think we've got to almost a, it seems more and more to me from looking at it like a fork in the road situation where you can kind of, there's one or two routes and you can probably do both if you wanted to, if you've got the resource. But with Spotify's new capabilities that they've brought out, you either advertise on podcasts and sort of you know push yourself in elbows out and you know advertise for this programmatic sense and oh suddenly you're listening to serial and up pops a you know an advert from Ron Seal or something or the other kind of way which is more this uh, like you said uh, feed drop this kind of uh, almost feels a bit more like influencer marketing you know yeah, a bit a kind of bit. like I'll, I'll have, you know I'll shout out your pa- podcast if you shout out mine yeah. It's a kind of... I mean, for that for that one, I was wondering, I mean, when you talk about, say, if you're a men's clothing brand working with Peter Crouch and his podcast, say if we're going back to, well, not even just PLT, like any brand, I think, for sponsoring other podcasts and things like feed drops, what would you say to them, um, those brands who might be wary of doing that because they don't want to advertise alongside or, you know, against the, the competition? If they're thinking, you know, we want to get my podcast, um, our podcast in the top space, why would we want to work with other podcasts? Because we'd be boosting them as well because some, some brands can be a bit funny about that. Yeah, that's, a, again, another really good question. And it's, it, I think it's important to understand that you're competing anyway. Yeah. You know, that's like saying I'm not going to I'm not gonna turn up at a football match as the op- opposing team because we don't want to be next to the opposition because we're both fighting for the league. Yeah. You know, that it, it's, it's sort of a, a dated approach to um, what is a very linear form of content. Sure, you might not want to do that in other mediums and you might want to really own a space or you might want to really own a channel or really own uh, a brand partnership. But this is a very linear flow. You listen from the start to the end and then you listen to the next episode and then you listen to another podcast and you listen from the start to the end. So you've, got, in my view, you've got to be alongside them. You know, you've got to be, you've got to be fighting your cause. Mm. And if, if someone, you know, if you've got two clothing brands that are advertising, ultimately I'm going to choose the one that I resonate with the most there's an opportunity to pull people away from their incumbent and existing brands and start to pull some of that loyalty into the PLT yeah. ecosystem, for yeah. example. I think it would work great for PLT, I think, because they are an influencer-focused brand. And I'd say maybe, like you've just said, Theo, it's a bit like influencer marketing. Any mm. B2C brand could use it yeah. in in that way mm. and, and use um, like creators and other influencers' podcasts to sell their own. But say if you were a B2B business um, where the competition is probably much more direct, say even us for the Social Minds podcast, when we were exploring ways that we could grow our podcast, we were thinking, thinking maybe we could sponsor another podcast or work with them that way. Um, But ultimately, the result of that is us working with another agency or another social media company. And that's when you start to not want to do that. Yeah, I think you've got to be be careful with where you align. So the B2B is, again, an interesting proposition because the alignment's a little different with that insofar as Mm. if you are are having to work with another direct competitor, what can we really do to separate ourselves? It's going to be personality. It's going to be, Mm. you know, how we work with people, the deliverables. There's not that much that we can use to separate ourselves and any good agency will probably match you punch for punch on that anyway yeah 
So it really then becomes about how can you work with complementary businesses? How can you work with brands? So uh, assuming that, let's say that this is a, a project that I want one of my designer friends to do. So Kai Wilkinson, a shout out to him, one of the best designers on the planet, works with some of the biggest brands. Uh, it was a creative director at our agency before we got rid of it. And, you know, I'm always saying to him, dude, you need to do a design podcast where you talk to the CMOs or the, the, the purse string owners of some of the world's biggest brands who commission design and look at what it takes to get commissioned by these brands. You know, really do some in-depth interviews. People like that would be perfect for you guys yeah. because you'd have other CMOs listening to it. You'd have other design companies listening to it or would want to outsource or refer a social chain. So it's... I think it, it becomes a question of how deep you segment that down. So if you were to just look at agencies, you know, you'd, you'd be saying, well, actually, okay, full service agencies, we probably wouldn't want to work with those guys. But actually, specialist typography agencies or brand agencies, mm. maybe we can work alongside those guys. So you're right, B2B is a slightly different proposition because unlike B2C, where it's quite visual and it's like, okay, that's that product and look at the stitching on it versus that product or the yeah. fit's a lot nicer. With you guys and with any agency or any B2B service, I mean, you can't really put a cigarette paper between any of us, can you? It's all mm. very similar stuff. It's ultimately about who we get on with the most and who who, who gets the best results mm. after a period of time. Um, so that's how I'd approach that. You know, you'd have to probably segment it a little bit further. The other fun thing with that is sort of collaborations as well. I think there's summoning collaborations with those kind of things. Yeah where you look at, actually, what interesting types of content could we do? So I'm a huge fan of, like, if you're a design company, get, get in a camper van, drive around the country and do 10 brand designs, 10 brand overhauls for 10 businesses over a 10-day period over a 1,000 miles. You know, something quite cool like that. Yeah. Similar sort of thing for you guys as a podcast. You could pick so many different types of partnerships and do something quite cool where you, you'll go behind the scenes. People love behind the scenes stuff. Okay, we're going to overhaul this social strategy and we're going to give them a brand new landing page set up with this design company and we're going to do it we're going to record it we've got this kind of setup we're going to record the video for the the socials and then we're going to record the podcast so people can listen to the process things like that yeah. is we where, where, where i think you guys in particular can really make a dent um because i don't think anyone's doing that very well yeah what? i know i like b2b podcasts are not mm. they're not arriving yet really except for agencies of people who are already working with b2c brands on podcasts yeah. and so i know about it but and they aren't they're really doing like they're just doing like behind the scenes stuff like interviews with our designers interviews mm. with yeah. it's from a place of thought leadership isn't yeah. it rather than that that sort of sell yeah. um i wondered if you could put into context the kind of the Spotify ad platform. I know we touched on advertising a little bit, but obviously this was a sort of massive news that broke. And then I think everybody's reaction was, wow, Spotify is going to become the Facebook of advertising, of, of podcast advertising because of this ad platform that they've sort of built and made and all the data that they have. What does it mean for brands in the first instance? Well, it means you can get to Spotify podcasts. That's it. You know, ultimately Spotify is you know, the top two, depending on the data, there's been a big hoo-ha about that this week. Well, we'll not get into that one, but Apple Podcasts or Spotify, either either, you know, they're the, they're the top two when it comes to the numbers. But it's not anything new. You know, it's not anything new. Megaphone have been doing it. We do it at Captivate and we uh, Art19 do it. There are so many different companies that do this kind of thing. When Spotify bought Anchor, everyone's like scratching their head. Why have they bought Anchor? In the industry, we kind of thought, we didn't think it was for the recording software, for the content, because that's just by the by. Anyone can make that. 
And we did think it was for the ad platform because Anchor did have a decent ad platform. And sure enough, it's made its way into Spotify's strategy. So it's good, don't get me wrong, but it only targets obviously Spotify's ecosystem, mm. which then brings us back to that other problem that we mentioned earlier. That's cool if I want to target Joe Rogan and if I want to target the other big podcasts that are getting discovered because mm. our design flaws allow them to be discovered over the other ones. The problem with that is that then you just fall into mass marketing. You, you fall into brand awareness. You fall into a pure positioning campaign and keeping you top of mind. And that's only going to last so long. Yeah. You know, So we've got to then look at how do we get to niche podcasts? How do we get a little bit lower down in the funnel process so that people trust the host? And we know in podcasting, you only got to look at uh, like people like True Native Media who sell advertising, uh, ad swears and so on and so forth that kind of work with uh, a lot of the hosts on their ad sales host read ads that are really genuinely host read and really kind of, I don't want to say from the heart because it's advertising, but, you know, <laughs> that the, the host kind of believes in, you know, they yeah. work more. So top of the funnel stuff, sure, it's fine programmatically buying stuff through um, using DAI to kind of insert dynamic ad insertion to insert into a thousand different podcasts and checking out the ROI and the impressions and the listens. But it's only one ecosystem. It's only top of the funnel stuff. But it's a step forward. Yeah. You know, it's going in the right direction. Um, but but with a second sort of lens, it's not as groundbreaking as it's maybe made out to not. put when you chuck the Spotify bumper stickers on and whatnot. No, Spotify did an Apple. You know, like, you know, and I love Apple stuff. I've got <laughs> I've got Apple everything, you know. I'm like the Apple guy. Um, and we work with Apple on, on again, on the Captivate platform. Platform. So I'm, I'm, I'm in that ecosystem. We work with Spotify, we work with Google. Mm. So I kind of get this cross section of it. But Spotify have done an Apple. And you, you remember the um, all the announcements that Apple do? Remember that they in, in, introduced Notification Center or Control yeah. Center yeah. into iOS? And they're like, this is groundbreaking. And everyone on Android is like, what? That's been around for years. <laughs> yeah. What is this? Spotify have just done that. You know, they've yeah. done, the difference is, though, like you said, they've wrapped it in Spotify's branding. Yeah. And I actually think, sorry, Apple, for now, I actually think for the first time maybe ever Apple have been outbranded. I feel that as well that's that's what I was going to ask you about it, it seems like Spotify it seems like they're the ones that people are talking about more so than Apple mm. and maybe it's just because I don't use Apple Podcasts yeah. but like you said it seems like you yeah. know a big play there. Well they're a bit of a sleeping giant <laughs> Apple I think. And poor BBC Sounds is just not getting a look in. Oh I love BBC <laughs> oh, Sounds I absolutely there's, yeah. I think Desert Island this listener so. Classic. Represent their podcast then represent their listener <laughs> You've just been cooing about Spotify. Uh, I wanted to uh, end on a final uh, point, Mark, and that is um, the kind of so let's let's say hypothetically, I'm starting a podcast tomorrow, and I, I again, like you said, you know, at the start of the podcast, there's all these sort of blogs, all this conflicting advice. What would you say are the five key things outside of content that I should be looking at to again game it so people find me? You know, I know I'm not going to be a Joe Rogan, but oh, you never know. You, know. <laughs> you never know. You never know. What with this um, voice? No, are you kidding? Me. You've got a great voice beautiful for radio. voice he's for got, radio. He's got the perfect voice. He doesn't know that because he never listens back. But. <laughs> well, trust us, you have. Um, so I think you've got to look at, we, we talked about that listener acquisition flow earlier on. Um, and I think just understanding that is the first thing. So that is just a flow that, I mean, it's not new, but it's something that I don't think podcasters consider. So that, that idea is that everyone says, go and subscribe to my podcast mm. the first time you listen to it. That's like saying, walking onto a car lot and the guy's saying, right, come on in, let's get you the keys, give us the check. You know, it's, it's a huge jump, mm. yeah. huge jump. Um, so you've got to understand that listener acquisition flow from, from, from day one. When Apple put out their new RSS tags in 2017 and 2017, 
we started to experiment with it. So the ability to create a trailer, as an example, mm. the ability to create now a 90 second trailer. So I always advise people, understand the listener acquisition flow is probably going to be, you can't ask someone to jump into a 45 minute episode, mm. just like you can't ask them yeah. to buy it based on one bit of advertising. So give them your trailer, 90 seconds, what they can expect, where they can get it. Is it free? And how do they do it? Yep. Give them that. And then, then this is the kicker, curate two of your best episodes and say, oh, by the way, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, in this 90 second trailer, I recommend that your next step is to go and listen to this episode. Go and listen to episode 20. Don't subscribe. Don't, you know, I don't want any more of your time. Just go and listen to that one episode and then make sure that the beginning of every episode, look, if you really like this, Here's what we've got coming up next week. Mm. Here's what we had last week. And did you know that in the app that you're listening on right now or in the web player that you're listening on, on the website, there is a button that means that you'll never miss an episode and it's free. So you can hit subscribe if you want. Mm. So I think that's the first growth hack is understanding that listener acquisition flow. Mm. And sure, do your snippet marketing do your social marketing around every single episode. Do your marketing cycle for each and every individual episode, but create a campaign that just sells your trailer. You know, we talked about that discoverability earlier. Educate people who don't know about your podcast or that don't know about podcasting and make the call to action. Listen to the trailer. Mm -hmm. Make it 90 seconds or so or a couple of minutes and, and curate people through the subscription experience. Mm -hmm. So that's the first kind of growth hack that I'd say. And the second growth hack that I'd say is that you've got to, you've got to be willing to experiment with content. So more is not better with podcasting, more marketing is better with podcasting. So in my view, it's less content, much more marketing. So I think you'd spend, most podcasters probably spend like a 60, 40, 70, 30 split and the 70% is on production and it's like this content hamster wheel where they produce, 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 then 20, 30% is marketing. Mm. Let's flip it around. The guys that do really, really well, the shows that do really, really well, they put less content out, like Dan Carlin, Hardcore History. I don't know when Dan's going to release another episode. No idea. But I do know that when it comes, it'll be about four hours long. It'll be fantastic content and he will tell you about it mm -hmm. and he will really tell you about it. So that's the way that I think you should focus. No one's doing this. So focus on producing one good quality piece of content and then really, really, really powerfully marketing that one piece of content for much longer than you think. Um, I'd also recommend as well, and I'm sure you guys do this with this with this fantastic setup that you've got, but record extra content. So record, like, remember watching, uh, you might not remember this film, Superman Returns. I'm a huge geek. Superman Returns, 2006, first Superman film forever. The trailer was outstanding. The film was average because all the good stuff was in the trailer. Mm. It's like every superhero film. Isn't it just? Exactly. <laughs> Avengers Endgame. Oh, I've just watched the film in two minutes. It's like yeah. a quick summary. So what I would suggest is film extra content, record extra content and put that in your social shares. You know, get people talking about things they're uncomfortable about. Get people sharing things they've never shared. You know, if you get a, a, the CEO of a brand on there telling you about the most embarrassing moment or um, the thing they love the most or they hate the most or the first interview that they ever had at the company that they're now the CEO of, don't put that in the interview proper. Stick that on your social and mm. say, you know, for more of this, to listen to what Mark has got to say about other stuff mm. that is just as candid as mm. this, go and listen to the podcast. That's what Katie Leeson does, our yeah. managing director. Yeah. She does really? that for her. Yeah, Perfect. it works really well. And it is just powerful. Very powerful to give people that insight into the kind of stuff that you can expect, but without giving them the stuff that you've recorded, yeah. you know, the real meat on the bone. Sorry to jump in there, Theo. No, I was going to say, and your your final golden rule, we've got two, two excellent ones there. It's consistency you know podcasting is um it, it's a very linear growth medium just like a youtube channel is you know it's not it's not going to be huge from day one unless you can pre-market it and really heavily pre-market it with your trailers and your advertising 
But what it will do is, as we mentioned earlier on, you know, we only listen to podcasts that people tell us to right now. You know, yeah. recommended stuff is still the best way of marketing your podcast. So you have to be consistent with it. You have to be consistent. But the, the last golden tip that I'd say is alongside that consistency is build in audience interaction. So really shout about your listeners. You know, if someone leaves your review, shout about it. Get their Twitter handle. Mm. Include them in it. If you're a brand, there's nothing better than be mentioned by your favorite brand. Like I'm a huge Ricky Gervais fan. You know, when he favorites a tweet that I send him or he retweets it, I'm like, what? Yeah, this is amazing. Yeah. Big dopamine hit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm bounced off the walls for like a week. I've made it. This is it. I'm never going to have to work again. I've got retweeted. It's brilliant. But if you include people and if mm. you can... If you even design your show where you include segments that include listener feedback or you get people to dial in or you get people to leave voice memos that yeah. you then play, that is ultimate shareability, mm. you know, because they'll share that with people that love podcasts and they'll share it with people that don't know about podcasts because mm. they're on it and they'll teach them. No, no, no. You know, to, to hear my voice on this internet thing, just download this app and search. Look, I'll do it for you. Mm. And then suddenly you've got one more person in the podcast ecosystem. Yeah. Smart. Mark, thank you so much for uh, coming on and sharing all that advice with us. Um, we have got Facebook group, Social Minds. I think you're you're possibly a part of it, but if you're not, please feel free to join. We'll get you and right, I'm into yeah, it. Let's do it. Super. And if anybody's <laughs> got any more questions, obviously, perfect place to go to throw them in there and speak to Mark. And um, yeah, definitely. Thank, yeah. Thanks very much thank for coming so on. Much. Honestly, thank you. It's, it's been a, great a pleasure. First episode of 2020. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm honoured. I'm charmed. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please remember to leave us a review on iTunes because it really, really helps and allows us to bring you brand new episodes every single week. This has been the Social Minds podcast with myself, Theo Watts, Eve Young, and produced by Ollie Thompson. 